0: All right. Welcome back to another episode of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton. I am a licensed clinical psychologist. I
1: am Dr. Joanna Witkin and I am a cognitive neuroscientist.
0: Real Psych is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies.
1: Hmm, J.D., will there be learning?
0: Yeah. Will there
1: be science?
0: Uh huh.
1: Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? Mm-hmm. I cannot believe I can say that whole sentence. <laughs>
0: I can. You're a doctor. Yeah, that's
1: true. This is what I trained for. Don't you for. remember
0: pronunciation class?
1: Yeah, I trained for exactly this
0: pronouncing. Yes.
1: Pronouncing. Pronouncing.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like uh, learning how to pronounce the word height. <laughs> classic.
1: Classic. Classic
0: grad school trope.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Totes my goats. How you doing? How's your life? What's happening? My
1: life is great. No, my life is pretty good. <laughs> I was telling you a little bit before, I went on a run with my dog today. And oh, yeah. And he's like a little energy maniac, and I tied the leash around my waist, and I was really... Uh, Crossing my fingers for how that would go, but it went it went really well, and it was fun for both of us. I love that. Yeah.
0: Here's the thing I've always said: exercise is important.
1: I mean, for dogs. Yeah, totally. That's you know. That's a thing. A that's classic fact. me. Yeah.
0: To say that. Totally. Classic me. <laughs> you know, I have been thinking a lot about actually, as we both said, like we're good, and then we're like, well, I'm I'm fine. It's like I've recently been saying when like, when people are like, how are you, and, and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And people give that like, ah, only fine. And they like do that thing. And I'm like, I've actually just started calling that out as toxic positivity to just be like, yes, I'm fine. Like that, that's all I need to be for you. I don't owe you good. So, it's, I mean, it's toxic positivity. It
1: is. And you, you don't owe anyone a good but also... I don't owe oh, no
0: one the, no good. The other,
1: other side of the coin is if things are going good, I almost feel bad about it because I don't want to rub that it. That happens faces. too
0: sometimes. Yeah. I'll show up like in a meeting and it's like, let's have a check-in. And I'm like, I'm just having a great day <laughs> and I'm grateful to be here. And then somebody else will just be like, you know, actually... I'm not good. Yeah. And especially I work with so many like therapists and things, which I love. We all talk about our feelings a lot, but sometimes there'll be times where we'll like do a check-in and somebody will like in a very like emotionally conscious like way say like, you know what? I'm actually not going to do the emotional labor of checking in right now. Like I'm not doing that, which I kind of really love and respect. But every once in a while, if I'm like, it's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm doing really well. I'm having a great day. And somebody's like, I'm not comfortable sharing how I am right now. And I'm like, oh. It
1: makes me feel bad. I, yeah. But then I'm like, I'm not enjoying my own success. And it's a whole thing. I mean. It's just judgment on judgment on judgment on judgment.
0: I mean, so that's what how I'm more doing. can we ask for? That's how I'm doing. <laughs> uh, yep. The height of your judgments unparalleled. Uh, no, do you want to no know what balance. movie we're watching? Would protect- you like to guess what movie yes, we're watching? I would
1: definitely like to do that. I'm going to do badly at it, but... I think you're going to do great! I think, historically, I've never gotten one.
0: <laughs> I think you're going to do great. Okay. I think it's going to take you three guesses to get this one. Okay. But I think you've got this. Okay. I think you've got it under control. I think you're going to lose your mind. Okay. You ready for this? Totally. All right. Tagline. In every woman, there is the girl she left behind
1: in every woman 1995 now and then yes oh i'm so happy you got yeah. her the first guess <laughs> oh that's such a good movie it's such
0: a good movie i think it'll be really fun to be talking about
1: isn't sorry this is what popped into my mind first which is not the point of what this movie is about but isn't brendan <laughs> fraser <laughs> yes <laughs> like, brendan fraser is in this movie the little, the little The veteran that's like on the side of the road.
0: Yeah, the like Vietnam vet.
1: Yeah, in one of his earlier roles. Yeah,
0: just being like hot and Thora Birch as like a twelve year old (laughs) is like, hey mama, like she makes some weird like horny joke about like she's (laughs) like whoa baby auga auga like really yeah
1: like, like I remember watching it as a preteen and that's obviously the salient memory I have from that
0: movie. Yeah, yeah. This movie. Uh, my favorite line from this movie. And there's many. I think it's actually a, just a really great script. But my favorite line from this movie is, and that was the day Roberta stopped taping her boobs. <laughs> Which I think oh, is just gosh. so yeah. great and so funny and so cute and perfect.
1: Isn't this the one, too, about the mom who talks about, like, the garden? The garden. And the flower. Every
0: woman has a garden. And every man <laughs> has a big hose to water it Or a small hose. It doesn't matter. They all work the same. Yeah, and then because she asks about kissing, she goes, everyone knows if you tongue kiss a boy, he thinks you'll do the deed with him. They're driven. They're driven. (laughs) My mom Uh, told me everything about planting the seed and watering the flower. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Uh, God.
1: And everyone good is in this movie.
0: Everyone good is in this movie. Yeah. Everyone Um, good. Demi Moore is perfect in it. I'm
1: thinking about the girls. Oh, yeah, the girls. Christina
0: Ricci, Thora Birch. Gabby, Gabby Hoffman, Hoffman who I mean. I love. What a star and her comeback in the like mid, mid or in, like the 2010s was just totally. exactly right.
1: Yeah, I was waiting for it.
0: Uh and then uh Ashley Ashton Moore, I think was her name. Okay. She is no longer with us. She passed. Oh, um gosh. yeah, and then the adults are Rita Wilson, uh love it. Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. uh Demi Moore and Melody Melanie Griffith.
1: Griffith, yeah. Mhm. Oh, yeah, perfect. Janine perfect.
0: Garofalo, Bonnie yeah. Hunt, uh, Devin Sawa.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um. Yeah.
1: What's that guy up to?
0: I, I'm sure he's on like some show. I think he was on like a like a Chicago Med or something like that. I don't mm. know. All of our hundreds of thousands of listeners are graphic or graphically frantically searching. Devin Sauer and trivia. And graphically. I mean, I'm sure there's some photos out there somewhere. But, uh, but yeah.
1: Yay! I love this pick.
0: I love this pick. Alright, oh, do you, is that what the, do you hear our music
1: thing? I hear a little something. Am I having I an auditory something.
0: hallucination? <laughs> Who can I think say? I that's our
1: outro music.
0: Alright, well, I'll see you after
1: we've watched this movie. Sounds great. Can't wait. Bye. Bye. We are back. We are back. We have watched this movie.
0: We have seen the movie,
1: There's some
0: on the big screen.
1: Serious nostalgia, big screen. I guess it's dependent on well, how big your TV is.
0: Yeah, not the silver screen, but yeah. the big screen.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. What would you this, think? This Revis. Movie, yeah, this movie like brought up a lot of stuff that like because I watched it a lot when I was younger and. I loved it, and there's a lot of stuff here, too. There's a lot. (laughs) That potentially was internalized by me and my (laughs) upbringing and and development. Um, Yeah,
0: I mean, it's also pretty funny now to watch it and realize, like, we're older probably than the adults.
1: I kept trying to figure that out because I was like, because I know Rumor Willis is like the little sister of Gabby Hoffman. And so I'm like, okay, yes. so Demi Moore had her kids. <laughs> How old is she? <laughs> well, like what year did it come out? But then, like, 96? they're still, of like, childbearing age because Chrissy was pregnant.
0: Well, actually, they're probably clo- They're probably a little bit older than us, actually, because it's supposed to be the summer of 1970.
1: Right. And, it's and like the movie 94? came
0: out in, like, 95. So mm-hmm. it's 25 years later.
1: So they're like and 20? we are not.
0: Yeah. like Like, they're. 13.
1: Yeah.
0: So they're like 38. Yeah, so we're map. younger than them. That's we're where actually I so much younger than them like when you think so about it. It's like many days It's a year. vast difference between us yeah. and them. Yeah. Uh, Although it is kind of interesting that they're like freaking out because one of them is having a baby and it's like at 38.
1: I know. Although like modern women, feminism, like I feel like a lot fewer of my friends have kids than I thought would have kids at this age uh i don't know still do but like you know
0: a lot of my friends have lovely little babies yeah uh especially at this age
1: yeah well this is i feel like this is like the peak
0: yeah yeah but i mean like their kids are like kids kids they're like doing (laughs) it and doing it and doing it well they're like running around with opinions
1: that's amazing Hey! Shout out to all them kids out there with opinions. Yeah. Um, we should play Red Rover. Uh, we
0: should no. play Red Rover.
1: I could did you play that when you were a kid? Mess
0: up some kids with some Red Rover, right? I, I hit it. I hit the gym a lot. I could huh. just brick them.
1: Heck yeah! Yeah, uh, I did play
0: Red Rover as a kid.
1: Me too. Um, I loved it fun. in
0: gym class. We would play
1: it. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, fun simple game. Simple times. I mean, I. it was funny because they say at the thing, like we had to entertain ourselves because it was before Nintendo and MTV. And I didn't have Nintendo or MTV as a kid. I didn't yeah. have cable. Yeah. And after, we had a Nintendo for a little bit, but then at about five, they it, it got broken. My brother mm-hmm. claims I broke it, which is probably fair, but also like as a youngest child, I'm uninterested in that argument. <laughs>
1: yeah no. Um, should we recap?: Yes, let's synopsis? recap this movie.
0: This one's actually kind of a tough one to recap in it a way is, it's because it's about the relationships
1: chronological. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's
0: non-chronological and it's about the relationships. So maybe we start from the beginning and just sort of skip the order of film and do the mm-hmm. chronology do the chronology of the story. Does that make sure. sense?: Yeah.
1: Okay, so Shelby, opened, Indiana, yeah, Shelby, yeah. Indiana, 1970. It's this. This all takes place over one summer.
0: Yes, um, when these th- four best friends are 13, give or take.
1: Yeah, ish.
0: 12, 13. Uh, we've got Roberta. Uh, well, we 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 named them in the beginning, right? We've got Christina Ricci, Thora Birch, Ashley Ashton, Moore. That's her name, right? Yeah. And Gabby Hoffman. Each of them are sort of a different archetype of a friend. Mm-hmm. Four very different girls, all very close.
1: And it's really this, like, critical point of them realizing that they're different and, like, giving mm-hmm. each other space to be that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah. they're they're trying... Each of them has their own kind of journey in the summer. And, um, you know, one is the tomboy. One is the kind of, like, sci-fi nerd. One wants to be... Uh, a big movie star, and one is a bit of a goody two shoes mm-hmm.
1: uh
0: so with it, the course of the film, basically, they do a seance because Gabby Hoffman, who's sort of the lead she is the narrator uh yeah. as as Demi Moore as an adult yeah. narrates yeah. so in a way she's the lead, and sort of the ending scenes do center on her quite a bit
1: true
0: um but she they do a seance uh in a in a graveyard to communicate with one of the dead in the graveyard and they choose a, a tombstone that says, Dear Johnny. Mm-hmm. So they refer to this uh, this boy who died as Dear Johnny through the whole and film.
1: I think notably, like, he, he died around the same age that they are. Then. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. He died around the same age that they are. Um, they, uh, a big storm hits right in the middle of the seance. They're convinced that- There's so many
1: storms in this movie. Storms like, and storms. All I mean. the time.
0: As somebody who grew up in the Midwest, though, like, in the summer, there are yeah. a lot of thunderstorms. And yeah. they do sometimes come out of nowhere.
1: And seems so, fairly brief and intense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is, I, I will say that's accurate.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, uh, but, yeah. And so a storm comes. Uh, Gabby Hoffman's convinced that there's a ghost. They go back, and the tombstone has been cracked in the middle. And so they spend sort of the majority of the th- of the theme of the film is them... Uh, trying to find out what happened to this boy so that mm-hmm. they can resolve whatever trauma this ghost haunting is going through.
1: Yeah. They, yeah. they feel his unrest.
0: They feel his unrest. In the in the meantime of all of this, Gabby Hoffman's parents are going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um gorgeous cameo from Hank Azaria. I, I totally it. forgot. Love also it. Cloris Leachman. And um, Bonnie
1: Hunt. Bonnie, Hunt's and scene Bonnie Hunt is just I like mean, the should be I mean, Academy incredible. Award winner.
0: One, one scene yeah. wonder.
1: Incredible.
0: Um, but yeah, so her parents are getting divorced. Uh, we know that Christina Ricci's mom has died at, when mm-hmm. she was four years old, um, yeah. and th- so those has are the sort brothers of
1: brothers and her dad. So she's the only kind of girl in this family. To, yeah.
0: She's the only girl in this family full of boys. As I mentioned earlier, my favorite quote is that was the day Roberta stopped taping her boobs. <laughs> uh so she's sort of fighting against womanhood mm-hmm. as it's kind of coming up on her. Yeah. Um meanwhile, uh Thora Birch is fighting for womanhood as hard as she can. She's wearing um pudding-filled pudding. yeah. balloons. Yeah. Uh vanilla and pudding. then vanilla pudding, and then the last is Ashley Ashton Moore's character, who is trying to stay a child while her friends are kind of growing up around her, yeah, and she's trying to hold her innocence and she's trying to hold the innocence of the town. She has very like traditional views and values. Um, benevolent sexism shows up an awful lot. She says, uh, "And hopefully one day I'll marry a rich doctor."
1: Yeah, love
0: it. Um, yeah, and so the, the that, that's sort of the the four girls' journeys. Uh, They, of course, I mean, suffice it to say, they go through some stuff. Yeah,
1: they're... they're, uh, And they
0: sort of form two dyads in a nice way where there's sort of two sets of best friends where Mm. um, Thora Birch and Gabby Hoffman become very close and uh, Roberta and... What is Ashley Ashton Moore's character name? Chrissy. Chrissy. Of course it's Chrissy. You know what? It's weirdly easy to remember Rita... Wilson as a Chrissy, but yeah. it is her. Anyways, so yeah, uh Christina Ricci and Ashley Ashton Moore, Chrissy and Roberta, um, sort of show that they have a close bond. Uh, beep boop beep, things happen, come to the end. Uh, they make a pact to always come together when they. Oh yeah, each there's other, also basically. this whole
1: subplot about they're saving up to buy a tree.
0: A house. Treehouse. Yeah, they're saving yeah, up to yeah, buy yeah. a treehouse. So in the end, as adults, they all come together because Chrissy's having a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, these four, I mean, the, the biggest movie stars of the time in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely. Uh, Melanie Griffith, Demi Moore, Rosie O'Donnell, Rita Wilson. Also, in watching this movie and knowing what I now know about films and how they're made, I'm like, these women probably spent three days on this movie. Like, this is a quick <laughs> film. The, the yeah. girls, you know, spent probably weeks and months filming this. Mm-hmm. These adults probably get made crazy money when they have a total of like four scenes and they're quick and they're quick and they're easy. Like it is easy acting, easy acting. uh, Demi Moore has to cry like a quick little bit.
1: Right. They're Um, headliners.
0: They're headliners. They've all sort of grown apart. They're coming together. Um, The movie star, the sci-fi writer, the OBGYN and the soon to be stay at home mom, I guess. She doesn't seem to have a career. She's married to a, a dentist.
1: A dentist, yeah, the same guy is from the softball. Okay. The same guy.
0: Hello, so dear. Hello, dear. So yeah. cute. What's his I name? Morton it. or something.
1: I think so. Yeah. It's um, one of those
0: names. And yeah. uh, she has Chrissy has her baby, and Demi Moore says she lives a lonely and unfulfilling life, and she wishes that she had her friendships, and she wishes she had come back more often.
1: Yeah, it's end, interesting, like, having this pa- they have this pact, right, that if any of them ever need, it was a kind of a loose pact of, like, if any of them ever need each other for any mm-hmm. reason, they can kind of summon all of them. And, like, I think Demi Moore and Melanie Griffith seem kind of begrudgingly coming back to their, their town. Well, they're they both still do famous. It. Yeah, they, they still do they're it. They're both they famous, come back yeah. and are, are there, for, you know, for Chrissy, even though I'm sure they keep in touch some amount, but these... These women don't have a ton in common. No, uh, they really don't. They're, they're very, very yeah. different.
0: They're, I mean, they're really like serving this like archetypal kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, let's get into it. Let's, okay. let's
1: tickety talk. So my journey researching for this episode was a little bit tough. I had a lot of ideas Mm-hmm. um I kind of like there's a lot of things to talk about um but it was hard for me to like dive into any one of them so I kind of have like some info about several different themes and we can I, I think you did the deep dive I did kinda... I did
0: do a, a bit of a deep dive yeah on only one on only one topic but I found some really interesting sort of points and facts and and bloops and blops yeah. which I'm pretty excited about
1: I mean the what I kind of ended up thinking about was, well, there's a lot of, you know, this critical period of, of womanhood, the cusp of mm-hmm. womanhood, mm-hmm. um, learning about sex, learning what sex mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah. They start, like, Roberta has her first kiss. Um, yeah.
0: With Devin Sawa.
1: Yeah. Uh, Chrissy learns what sex is somewhat. <laughs> right at the beginning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Right at yeah, the beginning, she learns what sex an is. an interesting
1: kind of contrast between what her mother tells her and what her friends are telling her. I know. Um, which is, I think, kind of true to reality. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there's this interesting kind of, like, f- formal and informal sex education that happens. There's um, super. Did your parents believe- give you the talk? No. Oh, no.
0: Where did you learn?
1: There was like a video in fifth grade that I. Oh, you learned at school. Yeah, that my mom was like so horrified by that my younger sisters were forbidden to go.
0: Oh, wow. You know, I, um, my parents never gave me the talk, but when I was in third grade, my uh, oldest sister gave me the talk and was like, listen, you can ask me anything. Yeah. Anytime. And she like basically was like, and let me ask like really, silly embarrassing questions about like i remember asking like does milk always come out of boobs like what (laughs) and like she really like sat down and explained it to me so i would have been like eight or nine and so she would have been like 20 Mm -hmm. and she like gave me the talk about penises and vaginas and all the things and then i think again in like sixth grade uh She gave me another talk about uh, drugs and alcohol where she was like, not a full talk, but where she was like, I either have tried it or I know someone who has. You can always ask me in kind of a really great way.
1: Yeah, that's Having much
0: older siblings was uh, pretty great in a lot of ways because it meant that I had like deputized parents. Yeah, where I could be like, "Mm, I don't want to ask mom about this question, but I should know. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was a a really... um, wonderful thing
1: that's awesome but that was
0: my talk we sat on on top of a hill uh in a outside of a cottage in upstate new york and that the could be a movie right there you know what let's write it <laughs> i'm gonna edit this out of the pod so nobody steals the idea
1: right
0: actually my it's eldest sister now. is a writer so she should write the movie <laughs> she yeah. should
1: love it we're yeah we're just and just she listens to time. the pod
0: so she's out there
1: yeah we got this yeah tune in next week no um The other thing I was thinking about was, like, superstitious beliefs. Yes. Right? So this, um, they, the the movie's really centered around this kind of seance and these superstitious beliefs. uh, And they're really, like, it's Roberta and Samantha that are kind of the most invested in this kind of supernatural uh, seance, you know, Magical thinking, kind of superstitious thinking. Well,
0: teeny, a little bit too. I mean, she has a whole scene list. I mean, yes, it's of course like a Cosmo magazine, but she's reading horoscopes. She That's is true. like, and That's she's true. down for the seance, like from yeah. Jump. Yeah. So
1: she's a, she's a she's like bit open of a. To it.
0: Yeah, she's a dreamer.
1: I think they yeah, for sure. I think um, for Samantha, it's kind of like her sci fi, mm-hmm. you know, fascination and, and, um, love for that kind of content and then for roberta i think there's like just this uh her understanding of death because she mm-hmm. lost her mother when she was very young i think uh makes her kind of more uh invested in in the seance specifically or, or feeling yeah. this kind of unrest um with the dear johnny character so uh you know there are some studies that say like superstitious beliefs uh Decrease over over time, like as you get older. Um, Interesting. And so there is a point in the movie where they say, you know, that was the last time they like did those kinds of things with yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, well, Look, and
0: in the film, they really have somebody demystify. And
1: yeah, explain. there's this whole scene with this guy being like, uh, "I broke it with my, I broke the the headstone with my tractor. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, this isn't a playground. Yeah. Like, really." shaming them a little bit for, and for then having- they
0: find out that the the sort of local crazy guy, crazy Pete, mm-hmm. is crazy Pete because people think he killed his family, and yeah. so he only goes out at night because. Yeah. Do
1: you? Does he did doesn't they say see that? Because okay, so I had that thought. This is an a I had that thought from my memories of watching this movie, but watching it again, I don't know that they ever quite say that. I don't know if it's You're just. You're right. Such it may not tragic- be that they think. It's it might be such a event. Midwestern
0: thing, yeah, yeah that it's that like he reminds even. us of exactly. a tragedy, and exactly. that is overwhelming.
1: Exactly. there is um, the, Very white um, Midwestern. There is the article that Samantha's grandfather writes that's like, you know, this town is not what it seems, and it's not as safe. But I don't think there's any in- – there's no, like, um, insinuation that, that –
0: that he did it. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I think you're like, right. They just. It's not as safe as we thought it was. He reminds them of tragedy. He reminds them that they're not safe. Exactly. And that's scary.
1: Yeah. I think that's it. Especially, you know, they, they play up this gated community uh, with like these model homes. And this is post World War II. Like, yeah. You know, all of these. Uh, the
0: gaslight edition.
1: Yep. Like, literally gaslight. <laughs> um, that chrissy still lives in you know she Mm -hmm. lives in her mother's or i guess her childhood home her childhood Um, home um you know there's a lot of this kind of insular protected uh assumptions that they live in this really safe neighborhood um and they they talk about that a little bit there's some allusions to it and i think when they were in the attic like chrissy even talks about like if This is Shelby. Like, if this could happen here, it could happen. Like, what's it like out there? Imagine what it's like out there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, this undertones of, like, uh, you know, what the suburbs are. Like, these are kind of the first suburban communities. And, again, there's no significant people of color um, or at No
0: significant people of color. Uh, A little more. I mean, it is Shelby, Indiana in 1970. So. I mean, again, we should have more films with people of color in it. But it, this one, in a way, like, I remember being really angry with The Notebook and just being like, there are people of color everywhere in this story. Why are they not yeah, in this true. story? That, that and this was deliberate. a little bit like, I actually bet there's not a lot of people of color yeah, in Shelby, like Indiana, in 1970.
1: Historically accurate.
0: Yeah. Um, um But, uh, you know, one of the other themes that, uh you brought up actually just before we talked about it but that really hit me that's been another theme that we've noticed the fat phobia in this movie i
1: was blown away like i did not it is dark i did not think it, it did not stand out as much to me when i was a kid which is no very alarming um well, as and, it did and, now.
0: and a of all ashley ashton moore chrissy is not fat
1: Oh, that yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's like she's She's not not a fat
0: child. Yeah, she's not a fat person. Yeah. However, she is playing this sort of silly, naive, like fat shamed kind of role where.
1: Yeah, I, I looked into this one probably the most, um, in thinking about well, a you know they're at this critical age where girls are. Learning, you know, having like self-esteem and body issues are particularly susceptible to internalizing uh, body ideals. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, studies that actually show that, um, you know, there's like media representation. That's there's like peer. Uh, yeah. Peer like knowledge, and then there's like uh, family pressure, and um, media representation is actually one of the largest predictors of like internalizing what body ideals are which makes sense right um which makes me think about like me watching this movie when yeah I was, and that's not named in the movie that's like a very like this is th- there's no like hey this is internalized you know this is fat shaming it's like no you know, this well is and, what it and is. you
0: know she actually has a lot li- a, a moment where they call her fat and she says i'm not fat roberta am i fat yeah like, she actually doesn't
1: yeah, a lot of the articles I was reading about too was like how the person who is fat-shamed or teased um, can have issues with their self-esteem and like how that can manifest into a disordered eating later on. But yeah, it's of course. interesting like how you were saying, you know, she she kind of defends herself even like they're making fun of her when she's eating the Twinkie and they're painting. Uh, yeah, you know garage. if I don't eat it for a
0: few hours, I get nauseous. Exactly.
1: She's, she's kind of like, yeah, like defending herself. But I do think that um her kind of goody two shoesness. Um, you can see like I mean, these are all like uh random thoughts that I have about their growing up, like what happened in between <laughs> these periods. Right. But you see Chrissy as she's older and she's you know, all of the furniture has plastic on it. She doesn't keep liquor, in- she has all these like really rigid uh hyper control around everything in her home. And yeah. so she's also very thin besides the the baby bump, but like But I know, mean
0: Yeah, she is pregnant. It's possible,
1: it is possible. You know, and she has this whole vanity thing and how she does her hair and how she dresses, this kind of um, preoccupation with how she looks may have been a direct result of how she's been treated by by her friends.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing that really strikes me too in noticing as well that she like is not a fat person is uh, like I actually sit there and just wonder like, oh my God, this is, I mean, it's almost like Hollywood, like the script was written for a kid in a larger body. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, we can't do that. Right. So let's just shame a thin child. Right. And make her most famous role one where she is. I mean, the worst of it was when they say, like, who would you eat first on a deserted island? And they say Chrissy because she'd feed more people, which is vile.
1: It's horrible. And that's such a that's like behind her back. She's not even there. She's not there. And like, why it was seems like an unnecessary addition. And she's the the least.
0: She's the least relatable character. She's the least like admirable character. She's kind of annoying. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where again, like, we're just not allowing like fat characters to have depth. She's also the most like simple one.
1: Yeah, I love. She's
0: kind of dumb, which means like fatness is obviously a choice right like she's, she has but all she's the negative
1: characteristics that anyone could have which i did a little bit of research into this but not really enough and i wonder if you have any thoughts about like almost like scapegoating like there's a person in a friend group who tends to like oh take yeah. on a lot of um the you know is kind of the scapegoat if they want to tease if they want to like yeah th- and there's reasons the brunt for of the it. jokes yeah and there's people who are like uh, different reasons why they might be a scapegoat. I was reading about this case study of this girl in a uh, like adolescent group therapy group, um, and she was the the scapegoat because she was Hispanic in a group, the only Hispanic girl in the in a group of all um, other black girls, and okay. so she had some otherness like just from the get go, and then she was also like self deprecating, mm, kind of leaned mm-hmm. into it because she knew. She was aware right. of her otherness. And Maya
0: Ishi peters vibes.
1: Totally. And and they kind of, uh, like, pounced on that. And she became the target of a lot of the teasing. Yeah. And it serves as kind of a cohesive thing for the rest of the girls. They can bond over this shared experience of, like, othering someone. Um, yeah. It's really interesting, though, like, friendship and group dynamics
0: you know, when I was doing uh, my research, I I was actually really frustrated. So I did research on female friendships
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, and really went in. And I was actually really frustrated at the number of articles that are about relational aggression that are about where and that are um, ignoring cohesive female friendships. I actually found it really frustrating and misogynistic that, like, the mean girls, uh, like the queen bees and wannabes, like, theme is... So unbelievably pervasive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When sure. and so what I ended up doing my study in was looking at like deep, profound, like powerful female friendships.
1: Yeah.
0: And looking at the ways in which those can impact development, particularly adolescent female friendships. Um. And so should I? Should I go into? Yeah, some of them? I would
1: love to hear about that.
0: All right. So one of the the studies that I looked at. Um was a study done at UCLA on the development of companionship in intimacy. And it looked at boys versus girls. And so it looked at three grade levels. Um, It looked at um, second grade, fifth grade, and eighth grade, and basically tried to see sort of who are providing uh, support, who provides companionship, and what do these expectations look like? And what we really, what, what this study found, this is from 1987, the study found um, that in the earlier grades, parents and same-sex friends are equally important, right? Mm -hmm. They have, uh, they provide companionship, they provide support, they provide identity, um, and they provide this sort of intimacy. But when you get to eighth grade, same-sex peers become this huge sort of turning point and are so important. And one of the main things, particularly, and this is particularly true within female friendships. So um, female friendships uh, right around uh, earlier on, uh, excuse me, female friendships starting much earlier on possess something called intimate disclosure. So this starts at a much younger age and intimate disclosure is exactly what it sounds like, right? Mm -hmm. It is sharing something important, something vulnerable, something that is um, scary for you, mm-hmm. really trusting someone else, trusting a friend with something that feels uh, scary.
1: That There's a ton of that in this movie. It's so
0: much in this movie, yeah. right? The the Roberta mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, crying about the thing. Even um, Chrissy, when Roberta scares her and she says, Roberta, you're my best friend. Like yeah. you can't pretend to die right mm-hmm. um teeny doesn't get quite so much she has a great moment teeny seems a little almost too realized at the moment where they ask about parents and she's like I don't know as far as I can tell minor assholes <laughs> Yeah, I or she's like I don't really know them that well yeah
1: because she asked like, I don't like, really know them that yeah. well yeah
0: her parents are country clubbers and are yeah. out and doing that and then of course like the biggest disclosure is you know Gabby Hoffman saying you know my my parents are getting a divorce mm-hmm. she's been and she's been hiding it through the whole thing and so what this shows is also at the age of adolescence right around eighth grade parents become far less important and yeah. crucial to the development of a child right it's this age of fostering independence it's everything this movie is about um and so yeah so the, like that's the main sort of predictor uh, that really shows what things can be like. But then, as you look through the lifespan, there's some really unbelievable uh, research that we have. So one of my one of the things that I found is that uh, female friendships are, are very different from male friendships in that um, women tend to have smaller, tighter groups of people that are often um, very widely in terms of personality, mm. whereas uh, boys and men tend to have uh, larger groups of friends that cir- uh, that sort of um, circulate around certain shared activities certain shared interests right, right so it's much more common for for boys to sort of all be on a team together boys to be in the same like scout troop to be in the same school like same school mm-hmm. same class same same neighborhood mm-hmm. kind of thing where they have uh, sort of one thing and female friendships are much more diverse um they tend to uh involve a lot more of these intimate disclosures, which is a really, like, galvanizing and bonding kind of thing. Totally. And um, one of the really interesting things, though, is that female uh, face-to-face relationships actually have a lot to do with oxytocin. Mm. Um. So how would you describe oxytocin?
1: It's a hormone that is released. It's involved – I mean, so biologically it's released when uh, – to be a mother is in labor, or a pregnant woman is, is in labor, um, and it like allows for contractions and to actually like deliver the baby, but it's also, uh, uh, this, uh, it's released when, um, in, in an aid to like uh help bonding, right? So it's like, yeah, they call it the love it's hormone,
0: the love hormone, the love potion, mm-hmm. um, yeah, while breastfeeding. Also, interestingly, oxytocin is in really high levels while you're petting a dog.
1: I love that. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Doesn't that also like feel, completely make sense? Yeah, no, that, that is definitely uh, true to my experience.
0: Yeah. And so um, one of the things that I found is that women uh, have, you know, we think about the fight or flight response. And so women actually have uh, a more nuanced and larger behavioral repertoire than just fight or flight. And so what it actually starts to look like is that oxytocin is released as part of a stress response in a woman. And that is used to buffer the fight or flight and encourages her to tend to her children or gather with other women. This is sort of the evolutionary view. What? Um, and so when she engages in tending or befriending, studies suggest that uh, more oxytocin is released, which further counters stress and produces a calming effect. So like women, like a girl's night, um, Little Mix has a, an incredible song called... Uh, Actually, Little Mix has like four songs that are all about like you're going through a breakup, call your girlfriends and like we've got you. They're perfect. Yeah, uh, they're perfect. I mean, Little Mix is perfect. We <laughs> do stand. Uh, they don't know about the pod, but they are friends of the pod, whether they know. <laughs> um, Yeah. And so uh, it, it's this really powerful thing that essentially shows that um, there is a chemical connection between women. And mm. the last sort of thing that I found and this one. Truly blew my mind. So there, was a, there have been a few studies, but the largest one was a study of 2000 women in China uh, who um, had early stage breast cancer. And they essentially found that women with close female friendships are, uh, sorry, women without close female friendships are four times more likely to die of breast cancer so women with early-stage breast cancer and the larger groups of friends have higher survival rates, regardless of the physical distance between these female friends.
1: Now, are they controlling... Okay, go ahead.
0: Wait, keep going. Uh-huh.
1: Are they controlling for other types of social support? Because there's a lot of research on just generally cancer survival and social support.
0: Yes. So they they did some of this, right? So, uh, and I I didn't, uh, did not go into the full finite details, but... What what's really interesting is that the social support of women um, is even when controlling for things like physical well being. So you're just starting out healthier. Mm-hmm. Strong social ties are are more powerful than um, than physical well being. It's a str- it's a stronger mitigator. And then um, at Vanderbilt, uh, they they collaborated with this and found that the women with the highest satisfaction with marriage, family, and friends had a 38% reduced risk of mortality and a 48% lower risk of recurrence when compared with those with poor social ties. So this is obviously looking not just at women, but like the broader social support. But it's like pretty incredible just to think like... And and the the study in China did do research to specifically isolate. And this is with 2,000 people.
1: Yeah, so that's my question. Is like I would love to tease apart the type of social support, right? Um, like whether marriage satisfaction or, you know, like uh, friend, social support or friend friendship ties. Um, that would be really interesting. I mean, it does seem like if you have a strong social support network, and you yeah, have, you're I mean you're releasing oxytocin. Regardless, yeah. Like you're releasing oxytocin with your part, you know, with your partner, with your friends. I mean, it's it's having kind of the same effect. But yeah, um, you said tend and befriend. Is that a is that something that you said or is that something that's like a? No, fight that's or pulled
0: from. uh that's the, that's pulled from the from yeah. the uh, so article. W-
1: is that kind of a modified fight or flight, or is, like is that just a?
0: Well, so it's essentially the. Uh, well, so there, there's actually a more the fight or flight response is uh, m- more diverse than just that, right? So the um the 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 four Fs that they sort of taught us in grad school mm-hmm. is that it's actually um fight, flight, freeze, yep, uh, and fawn. Mm-hmm. So fawn is uh, so freeze is pretty face valid, right? It's a yeah. possum, right? It's play dead, right? right? Um, when you can't fight back and when you can't run, play dead. Basically, right. uh, these are you know, the, the old school like cort- cortical like reactions, right? The mm-hmm. oldest parts of your brain are these instincts. But the last one, fawn, is most commonly referred to um, like relationships that are uh, physically abusive. Yeah. And so in that like, I am so scared, let me take care of you. But I really like this sort of tend and befriend in that I I imagine that it's maybe a similar related kind of mechanism within the brain that says, how do I engage in a way that will reconnect me and make me therefore feel safer um, when I am in this sort of stress response and and I've got this like cortisol coursing through me? How do I replace it with some oxytocin?
1: So it's like a, Um, a coping...
0: Yeah, it's a coping strategy yeah. um, and it's a it's a fear response.
1: I love that. That's it. I haven't heard yeah. that. I, I really like that.
0: I, I really love like I, I really enjoy doing this research just because, again, like I was really irritated that there's so much in terms of like, let's actually talk about how women are relationally aggressive.
1: But, I mean, that was also my experience as well when I was trying to do research and I was trying to understand teasing within the fat shaming kind of context. Right. Um, and so a lot of relational aggression came up. And then I was like digging more into what relational aggression actually is. And I'm like, well, that's not what this right. is. Um,
0: and but- for those listening, relational aggression is nonviolent, non-physical aggression, right? Relational aggression is the kinds of, th- it's the three way call. It's the it's the it's the it's secret three way call where you get right? somebody it's to like talk. Isolation. It's exclusion. It's social isolation. Yeah. It is social aggression. Yeah. There are different like uh, relational, instrumental, social. Like they're all sort of um, synonyms uh, for the, this kind of interpersonal uh, non physical aggression. And yeah. boys tend to engage in more. Uh, physical aggression which again because as a culture we hate women we somehow act as though that makes uh, men and boys clearer better simpler less evil people because yeah. they physically assault people and threaten people rather than
1: there's all, yeah, there's all these like uh, media representations or, of like men you know they'll just like punch each other in the face and then they're fine and it's over and women like carry that shit forever and it's just like
0: Right. And and I did find some of the research really just shows that, like, uh, similar to what we've talked about the last few weeks, right, that this is uh, a symptom of misogyny, right, in which women are put pitted against one another. And so women actually, when you do the research, show that they do not prefer to be aggressive toward one another, but they believe that uh, there are limited resources essentially for women mm. and that therefore they must compete with other women in order to feel safe within a society that constantly makes them feel afraid
1: yeah oof um
0: but honestly women should just be nicer
1: yeah they should it's like it's yeah. a really big it's a really big issue
0: it's like, a really big bullying
1: problem. is a woman's problem really
0: i mean listen <laughs> listen <laughs> i've been trying to explain this to you for years yeah
1: it's true um i just when had like a, a flashback to my aol instant messenger away messages
0: oh no <laughs> as a
1: form of uh fighting i don't know Ooh. If this is like a thing
0: <laughs> yes oh yeah yeah i had some good dramatic ones yeah oh, totally. and, and, and they're, they're always like song
1: lyrics right oh yeah like i remember one time <laughs> this is so embarrassing the most salient one that I have of, like, me passive aggressive like, being mad at one of my friends was I put in my <laughs> away message lyrics <laughs> from uh, Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl. <laughs> and there's, like, certain lyrics in there that are so, I don't know, they're, like, catty towards uh, some girl, whatever. But, um, right. yeah, I was like, this is my experience right now. <laughs>
0: There there was a tweet this week of somebody that was like, I'll never forget when I was in sixth grade and I ended like a two-week-long relationship and she put on her away message. I thought he was my knight in shining armor, but it turns out he was just a guy on a horse in tin foil. <laughs> 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 it's like the like most oh, so devastating.
1: Perfect. Such a burn. Yeah. Love it. Um Yeah.
0: I loved a good like passive aggressive, like don't even ask. Yeah. Like, just something like that. Yeah.
1: Ugh, I, I miss an away miss, message. I do not miss those times. It's stressful. Yeah. Um, so, the other thing that I wanted to mention, or just, like, diving more into Roberta, because I have this, like, little thought. Ah, um, love her. Yeah. You know, she has Also, low-key gay. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I also thought Samantha might have been gay, that they don't address that.
0: That's the thing about smart
1: women—they're <laughs> all gay. <laughs> Movies um,
0: are like, mm, she gotta be a lesbian. Yep,
1: just like Little Women. Um, yeah, like I. Okay, so her mother died when she was young. Um, mm-hmm. She did. It's yeah. It sounds like she, you know she really didn't have a model or like a, a female. Role right. She model has old, all
0: older brothers who are. Yep. She's, so she's got a very like tomboy. Totally. Raised by dad.
1: And I think that's like, you know, she's taping down her boobs, I think, because she wants to delay that de- mm-hmm. otherness from the rest of her family because she already feels kind of alone. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, she, she, they talk about her having kind of a more morbid sense of humor as a way to cope. Right. Um, and uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting is in adulthood, she becomes a very successful OBGYN. Where yeah. Her job is literally to do the like opposite, bring life into the world, and that's yeah. like her calling. Is actually, and to protect mothers. Yeah, yeah. So I thought she that takes was care really of mothers. Yeah, um, and you even see that she takes on that role like in the movie as well. Like Rosie O'Donnell when she's like telling yeah. the limo driver to get out, and he's like, "I can drive I mean, you wherever." And she's like, "Not like you know, that's great, but yeah. I got to do it."
0: Yeah, she's great. She's great in this movie.
1: Yeah, she is
0: um great energy I mean like the I I do I really enjoy Roberta's journey and they do give you the like the one line where it's like she's you know non-traditional but she's living in sin with her boyfriend right (laughs) so she she has a relationship
1: totally yeah yeah yeah
0: she's happy um I mean I think if they had done this now like she would be gay yeah I mean Rosie O'Donnell is gay
1: yeah but I think um, I think Samantha would have been gay too. Cause that's, so that's the other kind of character in thinking about their trajectory of having that divorce happen at a critical age and having this fear of abandonment really just be the prevailing kind of emotion right. and, and driver of her, her life choices because she even says that of like, you know, if you never fall in love, you can never get hurt. And it's like, yeah. kind of, oh, okay, that's definitely related.
0: yeah. I mean, and they share that like. It seems like her friendships at thirteen were the peak, sort of intimate connection that she had. Yeah. Is I guess sort of the the narrative that that they're giving us. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a the the sort of. One of the other films that lives in this same genre, which is one of my favorite, the the coming of age story. Right, is some one of my favorite genres mm-hmm. um but stand by me yep. and we will probably do stand by me at some point because it's yeah. such a good movie uh very similar themes stand mm-hmm. by me um and uh some people have called this the female stand by me that's
1: totally kind of how i thought about it too
0: i i think about it and i also think like it's other and different and more and yeah and and it's other, right? right? But um, but in Stand by Me, the the one of the last lines is, I don't think I ever had friends again like I did when I was twelve. Jesus Christ, is anybody?
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, in some way, I love that writing. It's I mean, it's Stephen King who wrote Stand by Me, and mm-hmm. I love his writing. I also think like, dang, yeah, I have way better friends, right? Yeah, I, I have I don't one friend that. that I still have from when I was twelve. One. Yeah. And she and I are much closer now than we were at twelve. Like, like we're way better friends.
1: Yeah. No, I. I We've been through way. so much more. Yeah. I. I mean, I have all of my friends from high school. There's like eight of them, and then a bunch of friends from college that I. Like, feel like those are really strong friendships as well. Because I think when you yeah. know yourself better, you can connect better. But maybe this is for people who are like, deep in therapy and stuff. Like you know, self-actualized. Yeah. Attempting to be that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the it's all about intimate disclosure. I've always said that.
1: Yeah, you've always said that. That's I've all you and I it. do off off the pod.
0: We do quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. We do quite a bit of intimate disclosure. We always have. Yeah. Yeah. Close. Um, it's true, and it really strengthens our relationship y'all we've been through it we have a lot (laughs) a
1: lot of things and like across the country too like I've never maintained a friendship this well with someone who's so far oh really yeah
0: well I've I've moved so many ways and places and times that I wouldn't have old friends if I hadn't
1: right like you yeah
0: but I mean, the research did say that close, intimate friendships, I mean, not necessarily between women, but I do think we have a very female sensibility in our relationship. Yeah. Um, but close, intimate relationships, regardless of distance, are predictive for like right. good outcomes. Yeah, I love and that. And if, is, is there any better outcome than a podcast?
1: <laughs> it's the pinnacle of friendship.
0: It it really is. It is. When you think about it, really? What's yeah. better than the discussion, dissection, and dissemination of psychological theory.
1: So much oxytocin.
0: So much. The oxymostin oxytocin. (laughs) That wasn't so good. Uh, Well, should we listen to- Yeah. We have some questions. Some some comments. Oh
1: yeah, we have a question this week. I
0: think it's a question. I, I haven't heard this yet. Hi, Dr. J.D. Hi, Dr. Joanna.
1: I have a question from a writer's point of view. Fiction writers are taught that their stories can be separated into two categories. Popular fiction is mainly driven by external forces that characters have to react to, like in The Fast and the Furious, while the plot in literary fiction will move based on a series of flawed characters, their biases, and the choices they make, like in Encanto. When you discuss characters in different movies, do you see a difference in character flaws that were created to be plot devices compared to those that are accidental or based on a writer or a movie team own biases and how do you deal with that when you do see that? Thank you.
0: Ooh, this is a of all a very well prepared question.
1: Yeah, I uh, I like this question. Yeah, it also makes Same. makes me realize I've had some feedback from friends of like we should have like um, people who are either like uh, literary or like film or like people who are yeah. really uh, writers. You know, like who are in that space because I think there's yeah. so much more context. Um, especially totally. for, like, the movies that we do that are based on books. Yes, a um, 100%. I, I feel like that would – we should definitely do that. So that's
0: – Well, yeah. So, I mean, we do have some, some screenwriters and some, some uh, like, writers in general that are uh, future guests yeah. that will be coming on totally. the pod. Um,
1: but – so that's just, like, my first thought was, like, yeah, we need more of that in <laughs> our discourse. Um Yeah. But I think in terms of like the question, I think it it doesn't really change my uh, like approach or like my analysis necessarily. It changes how I ground that in the kind of bigger picture of the movie, because sometimes it fits in more yeah, than others, No, I especially agree. like when it's uh, like she was saying, it's kind of accidentally based on the writer's own life or experiences um those can feel a little bit more like harder to piece together um in terms of like a overall kind of uh picture of of someone and how that fits into what the story is like trying to tell the story yeah i mean but i think in terms of like how i research and how i like think about it it's kind of the same
0: yeah, I would say like the research is the same. I will say the connection that you feel to like the to it and the way in which you're able to integrate nuance mm-hmm. when it's, um, you know, a much more like individualized kind of thing when it's a or truly like character driven mm-hmm. kind of flaw or, or conflict or things like that versus um, these like big plot driven kinds of larger issues. And so like, I mean, like it was so much, it's so easy to think about um, uh, what's her name, the mom in the notebook and being like, would she do this and and sit there and being like, well, honestly, I don't think she would do this. Right. Like, and we were like, we kind of had that out, but also talking about like the grandmother and Encanto, like she mentions, right. Like in that one, I'm like, I actually do. I think this is really like, this feels true. And so I think as a clinical psychologist, there's definitely moments where I'm like, this feels like it's more realistic mm-hmm. and like it is a real conflict that we might see um, versus these like things that exist in the film to sort of, you know, push this story, there's if that makes like sense.
1: Hybrid Which is series. kind of ironic that I
0: almost use the word fairy tale when like Encanto really is a fairy tale yeah. and The Notebook is just supposed to be like a romance.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's also but I actually the, the, think
0: Encanto represents a little more real humanness.
1: Totally. I totally agree. I mean, like, I think Encanto or maybe The Notebook, too. I don't know. But there's this hybrid scenario where it's like this character trait is driving the plot, and also I am pulling from my own experience to, yeah. to inform how I write it, this character. So I think totally. I think there's some overlap, too. I wonder if the characters that are based more on like real people's lives and experiences um have us talking more about how we've related to them and our own personal yeah. experiences versus totally. more kind of cut and dry research um i'd have to like go back and and think about the episodes that we've done and do a little analysis on that because i think that would be interesting
0: yeah 100 percent. because there's there's Doc McStuffin's in there. Like there's a there's (laughs) a whole bunch.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: That's a great question.
0: That's a great question. Um, super thoughtful. And we love your questions. We want to hear more of them.
1: Questions, corrections, comments, suggestions.
0: Yes. We love a correction. It is it's our love language. I mean, let's be real. We love a revise and resubmit.
1: Heck yeah.
0: At any point. Um, just as someday I will go back and fix some of these editing errors in our old podcast. Yeah. But you know what? For now, l- isn't it so humanizing to know that s- the the stars of this podcast are just like <laughs> us?
1: We are doing our best.
0: We're doing our best
1: ben. while
0: working full-time jobs. Yeah. And uh, we love this. you all. <laughs> yeah, right? I have been Dr. J.D. Barton
1: and I have been Dr. Joanna Wittgen.
0: Rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend. <laughs> Send us questions. Keep listening,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> keep listening. Just
1: keep doing Joanna
0: it. is she's got it. She's she's like there's the, I have lines. What are they?
1: <laughs> I never remember.
0: My it's brain fine. is fried at this point. And I showed up off book. All right. <laughs> We love you.
1: Love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.